Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the World Cup on Caught Offside. Ronaldo! Oh, it's come on from! Ronaldo! Brazil are in front! It's Ronaldo! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! And it's a concert! And Germany are the champions of the world. It's Mbappé! Now, here are your hosts, Andrew and JJ. Oh, yes! Caught offside from just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. The World Cup previews continue. What's up, brother? World Cup preview part duh. Part duh indeed. Duh for Dark Horse. Huh? Yeah, I like it. Dark Horse on the fringes, kind of outsider. I, I looked at the rundown. I don't think it's really... A truly dark horse category? No. I think it's more teams we think can go go on a little run and surprise people and teams we think might be talking about maybe winning it from a from a position, coming from a position we didn't expect. And also, little look at our CONCACAF friends as well. Yeah, this is this is going to be a fun podcast for sure. Like we, If you missed it, um, go back, check out the podcast we did the other day. Uh, it began our World Cup previews. We looked at the contenders, the top six heading into this tournament. We broke that down. I mean, that was that was quite the pod. That that one almost that was brushing up against two hours, which even by our standards was pretty shocking. Um, it's funny, JJ, because I saw people commenting on Twitter, being like, "Well, I guess Andrew's rules about keeping it to an hour have gone out the window." And like, <laughs> we haven't done a podcast under an hour in like three years. Yeah, it's, it's over. I, I I'm fine with it. I've made peace with it. It's, if anything, it's you. You're the one who's who, who before every pod. Now, come on, let's keep this tight. A hundred percent. I'm the one that wants to keep it tight. And it's going to be tight tonight because I do, really don't want to be giving people four hours worth of, of, of listening in terms of previews before we even hit our third pod of the week, which is coming on Thursday, which is the mailbag. The people want it. Going to, they want the They want the meaty four-hour behemoths. 
they they definitely want the content, but let's make it manageable because I, 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 and I've been talking to people in the industry, people way higher up than us, and they too are absolutely overwhelmed by how quickly this World Cup is coming down the tracks. Like it's come so quickly and they're scrambling to try and get their heads around it, to get their previews done, to get their homework done. And it's been tough. So I don't want to overload anybody. That's all I'm saying. So let's get into this podcast right now. Who do you know that's high up in the industry? I, I want to know who you're talking to. I don't spoke buy to it. someone this week. Spoke to someone this week. I don't. I don't betray confidences. I come from Brooklyn, the home of the Omerta. You come from Sligo. Relax. All right. Yeah, this that's should, true. This should be a fun one. Um, like we said, the dark horses and a little Concacaf corner at the end of this one. Sands the U.S. We're gonna. We have a whole a whole pod <laughs> devoted to them coming up later in the week. I should say, um, later this week we do have the third installment of these World Cup previews. That one is based pretty much on whatever you guys want. That is a World Cup mailbag special. Uh, I've already seen lots coming in. The Reddit page is is all a flutter with activity. JJ, um, they're getting it all, all their stuff lined up at CO soccer pod on Twitter, caught offside pod at gmail.com. So send in whatever, whatever thoughts you have. We'll get to as many as we can. We can't go all night, but we'll get to as many as we can. And then Sunday night, uh, nine o'clock PM Eastern time. That is the plan. Uh, we're going to try to go live on YouTube for a U.S. special. That's the eve of the U.S making their return to the world cup against Wales on Monday afternoon. And so we were, we're just like, I just have so I have too many things to say. Like I, I can't oh my keep God. them in. You're I, bursting. I, I like, this is eight years in the making. I, I, I need to let it all out. JJ. It's, it's a bad. I will to... talk about, I will t- talk about the opposition Wales because otherwise it'll just be one filibuster of gundling. Yeah. I, I have very, I have very little to say about anyone else. I'm, I am of one mind right now and that is with the U S men's national team. Uh, so the plan is for that to happen live on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe, turn your notifications on. Now I should, I should warn everybody. Uh, we've never done that. And as we sit here right now, it's 10 34 PM Eastern time. We've never even tested. So, it's really in God's hands, quite frankly, as to whether or not that broadcast Sorry. goes off without without a hitch. Excuse me. Yeah. Did Washington test anything when he crossed the Delaware? No. He probably he was in, in a boat, boat before. It, true, but he got in the boat and he rode. <laughs> did the guys actually test before they went to the moon? No. You're damn they right said, they did. On. They said, Neil, let's get up there. He said, okay, let me finish my sandwich. And off they went. Didn't they send, a, they sent John Glenn up to space. A, a chimp went up to space. That wasn't the first run. We're going to test Andrew. on Saturday. You're going to carve out a window. We're going to test. Yeah, we'll do a test. If everything's going to be fine, and uh, yeah, join us for uh, for some live Sunday night TV. That's not the NFL. I can't wait. I cannot wait for that. We're the just, two idiots that are going up against Sunday night football. I mean, what's our problem? The people are they're so ready for this World Cup. They need they it. Are. Like you know how I feel about the NFL, but like. This is this. I'll say this about this World Cup. This will be fascinating to see how, because the NFL never like they don't blink an eye at anyone. Like, oh, World Series, bring it on! Like, we don't care. We're the NFL, you know, whatever. Like this, this will be an interesting test to see how a World Cup in, in this country can compete with the NFL. I'll be curious about that. I, I mean, look, I set my expectations kind of low because the NFL is just a like. Nothing makes sense. Like the Pro Bowl was such a heinous event that they actually got rid of it this year. And it was doing numbers that you get in like the NBA conference finals. So like stop. The World Cup is going to blow the doors off the NFL. I don't want to get into this conversation. I've been having it for eight years. Okay. We're doing it Sunday night live stream. Also get on the YouTube. We've got 
previews for Argentina, Brazil, and uh, Oluwashina Okeleji will join me from uh, BBC to talk about the African teams nice. at the World Cup tomorrow, and that should drop on Thursday. Nice. I look forward to that. They've all been really good so far. I'm, uh, Thank you. They I'm have enjoying. been very good. I'm enjoying what's going um, on there. The Leeds video has, because Leeds supporters are absolute animals for content, has absolutely dominated our start to the YouTube. I mean, there's, there's Leeds people still watching that. I go on every day and I say, oh my God, like 700 people watched that last night. What is wrong with <laughs> They can't stop. They, they no. just need content. Um, anyway, here we go with our content for this one. Like we said, this is the Dark Horses. Now, I should say when I, uh, JJ put this rundown together, like he kind of hinted at at the start of this. And so when he sent it to me and I opened it up, I said, well, this is all wrong. I mean, I, I, this was supposed to be dark horses. He's got teams that are, that are among some of the favorites listed in here. Portugal, the Netherlands. Yeah, but uh, we didn't get to them. We didn't properly get to them on the first pod. So, I, and, I, and I do think there's things going on, particularly in the Portuguese camp, that we need to talk about. Well, so let, let's begin with... Let, then let's start right there, my friend. Uh, Portugal. Here we go. They are... I mean, you look at that Portuguese squad, and we've talked about this probably for a couple years now. I mean... 11 for like, if you go 11 for 11, like their 11 compared to whatever the other best 11s are that you want to roll out there, they're not far off the top, but for some reason, which is a little bit hard to put your finger on, um, they haven't been able to quite put it together over these last couple of years. I mean, obviously we know how close this came to them, not even qualifying for this tournament. They had to go to the playoff and beat North Macedonia yeah. after, after North Macedonia really did Portugal a huge favor and allowed them to avoid Italy in that final match. Who knows how that one would have gone. Yeah, sure. So I don't know. It's an interesting thing. Like, I mean, you've done it, JJ, like, look at like defensively, like they're so good defensively. They don't even really have the likes for like, I mean, Diego uh, Dallo, Rafael Guerrero, they're like, they're on the team, but like those guys are not projected to be in the starting 11. I mean, these are guys who are starting for Dortmund and Manchester United, Ruben Diaz and Danilo in central defense, Jao Cancelo at fullback. Like, they're attacking threats, Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes, Rafael Leao, of course, Ronaldo, who we'll talk about, I'm sure. Like, this is, on paper, this team is is absolutely loaded. Yeah, and I, I think you're asking the question, what are the chances that Fernando Sanchez can finally, simultaneously get the best from a galaxy of stars who generally underperform for Portugal? How can he implement his game plan, which is... Again, he's one of those international managers. They're not fun. They're not great to watch. Um, but he'll say, "Look, I've European Championship under my under my oxter. What are you going to do about that?" Um, and then there's the Ronaldo question, which is just talk about a an infection moving from one body to another. <laughs> he's come straight into the Portugal camp and brought the dark clouds of his interview with Piers Morgan right into the locker room in video that we saw which was extremely odd. So can we talk about some of what is coming out from the Portuguese camp? First of all, like yeah. it's almost starting to feel like Portugal is the new France. Like whatever the French vibes were during the Anelka Evra years, like that has now made its way to Portugal in terms of like this pre-World Cup stream of, of bizarre videos that are making its way out to the public. So the first one, I'm guessing everyone's seen by now, Ronaldo and Bruno Fernandes. Bruno walks into the locker room, Ronaldo kind of extends his hand to greet him and it's Bruno does shake it, but they exchange words, which they, it seems the whole interaction just seems cold. 
Now, yeah, it could be entirely out of context. It might be unfair to judge it, but it has a weird feel to it. So that that's one. We'll talk about that one. But then the other one, which I saw earlier today, JJ, was a ver- another weird thing with Ronaldo and Jao Cancelo. Uh, well, I can give some context to that one. Okay. Um, so a, a listener of ours who I think may be a, a Ronaldo stan, um, <laughs> he, he tweeted us a video from Cristiano Extra which is an account that has almost 60,000 followers okay. and says, here's what the media won't show you about Ronaldo because they're, they're twisting things. Well, we don't and need to showed... phrase it like that. I actually would like to know the full context of it. Well, 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 no, but that's what the, that's what the video caption says. So All the right. full context is Cancelo is tackling um, João Felix and João Felix, he fouls João Felix according, like it's in a training game uh-huh. and Cancelo just boots the ball away in anger. He's just upset. And Ronaldo, as kind of, I guess, elder statesman, comes over and tries to roughhouse him a bit and give him the, hey, yeah. buddy, hey, what's wrong, buddy? Well, Cancelo is having none of it. Yeah. Like, none of it. He's just, he's still pissed. He's still annoyed. All right. So, uh, in in that context, I guess it takes the sting out of it a little bit. But A lot. A lot. Bo- that, that's leadership stuff that Ronaldo's doing. He's trying to but, kind but, of settle a situation. That, I'm good with but that. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. Like, Cancelo doesn't want anything to do with him. And now, look, when you're mad and anyone comes over and does that to you, there's two ways to go. You go, yeah, 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 and you smile. Or you do what Cancelo does and you, you kind of still stay in that in that angry moment. Mm-hmm. The, the Bruno Fernandes, Fernandes video is much more interesting because A, he's at Manchester United. And B, as he comes in, he sees Ronaldo. And it's more like, it's more like disappointment. Fernandes seems upset and disappointed rather than full out angry. It's almost slightly contemptuous. So he taps Ronaldo on the, on the elbow, the arm. Ronaldo sees him, sticks out his hand. And Bruno Fernandes shakes it almost in condolence. It's it's very odd. And he says something and Ronaldo's face just falls flat. Yeah. And he walks away. And, the, and, and then the big thing is the next thing he, he does is that he high fives the next guy he sees. That's the thing. I can't, I can't remember, excuse me, who, whoever the player was sat down. He gives him a big old high five. And it reminds me of the Key and Peel video. Um, it, it's basically the black president. Mm-hmm. So the black president comes out and uh, he shakes every white person, every white senator and congressman very solemnly. And then when he comes to the black uh, congressman or senator, he goes, hey, man. And he just gives him a big bro hug and a it's high like a five and everything. Full dapped then, up. Yeah. Right. The whole thing. And that's what it kind of reminded me of a bit. Like, but, but if Bruno Fernandes, I mean, you know, he clearly has been a player that, I mean, certainly the media have said, He's been in the shadow of Ronaldo. We talk about his performances for United when Ronaldo plays. We've often talked about everybody on Portugal's performance when Ronaldo plays and the collective and how he seems to diminish the side. Look, his goal-scoring record is superb, but generally we don't see the best out of a lot of these players when he plays. And you're wondering if this is just... This is Bruno Fernandes saying, I'm walking into this World Cup now. I'm at the age I am. I'm in my mid to late 20s. I have to perform here and I can no longer be cowed by this guy. I've got to get after it. And the antics that he's done in my, the antics that he's done in my club right now, I can't let that happen for Portugal. So he's kind of just giving him the, the brush off saying, whatever, dude, we got to move on without you. Now I can see Andrew. Andrew's shifting. He's, he's not happy. With You're what applying a lot of context to something that you really don't know. Yeah, it's a fun thing to do, though, isn't it? Or sure. rather just say, hey, these 10-second videos, we don't know what they mean, and move on. Yeah, I mean, 
I suppose it's you're fun. right. Speculation, fun. speculation is fun, I suppose. Yeah. But the way you just so confidently, like, here's what Bruno said. I don't have time for this. You, <laughs> it's just, well, well, just funny. Uh, what did you think? What did, well, what was your read on it? Then? I don't know. It was oh, weird. It was weird and uncomfortable. And I don't know. Now, what was it? Was it Joe Mario who came out and said that it was like some, just an inside joke. Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo said to him, would you take a boat here? That was what I think Joe Mario was the one who came out and said that. Um, well, well, that it was some joke I mean, between the two of them. I don't know. A joke in which neither of them laughed. Look, my my position on Ronaldo... It's been clear I, I for think, a number of years. Yeah, he diminishes the th- teams that he's in despite his unbelievable prowess as a goal scorer. And I think the same is going to happen here. I, I mean, how, that's that's a big challenge to deal with this guy. And, and, you know, he's the focal point of the team. He has to start because of who he is. And... You know, everybody else seems a dwarf to him, and and the Portuguese team it it doesn't benefit from having him in the side. Really, I mean, so you I can you say would that. not start him. I mean, I, I wouldn't start him for anyone now. In, in, in no no modern football club would start a guy like this. Very few, anyway. That's just the it's way it is. That's yeah, interesting. I mean, he can prove he's he's good enough to prove me wrong, but it requires everybody else to service this guy. In a in in the ways we've seen it happen in the past, and he is he's a diminished character. Like, why are we dancing around this? No, don't we're not. It. I don't think we're dancing around it. We've talked this way about him for since we really always since last did, we year. always we always seem to default to he's world class. And we're like, there is a part of me when I say these things, he's going to go out there and he's going to prove you wrong because because of what we've seen before. But that's less and less likely. It's less and less the case. I don't mean this. Uh, this is just an, an honest question mm. for you, because I know you've always I, I do feel like as long as we've done this pod, your your feelings on Ronaldo have always kind of slanted towards the negative. I'm wondering, like, when did it when did it change for you where you where you really felt this way that he cannot like if, if this is a real team that has real ambition, he cannot be a, a, a major figure for them. Has it was was that just Juve? Was it just when he got to yeah. Manchester United? Was it even at I, the end of Real Madrid? I'm just curious I think, for you. I, I think when I watched him at the Luzhniki Stadium in, in 2018, and I I mean, there might as well have been vapor on the field. I, I cannot remember him doing anything. Now, look, I've only watched that game once. I watched it live. I didn't see replays. Maybe he was better than I thought. And I thought, this guy does nothing. And football was changing. And... um and then he, he makes his way to Juve, Andrew, and it's just the stuff that came out of the locker room there. Like at the end, they were delighted to get rid of him, just delighted to 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 to, to pass him on. Um, and I was absolutely shocked that United took him, and and torpedoed what whatever. Now I didn't believe very much in what Ole Gunnar, Gunnar Solskjaer had in the second place finish, um, in nine in twenty twenty one. I didn't believe a whole lot in that, but it was something to build on. And he comes in and, and the following season, they're just, all right, he's their top scorer, but like, so what? Who cares? They were disastrous. And he just, I, 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 I do think it was, I do think it was the, the point at Juve because he was still able to wow you at Real Madrid. But. Oh yeah, very much so. I mean, if it, it's one of those things now where he's so diminished that you, you almost have to go back on YouTube and look up, Ronaldo highlights from the Real Madrid years to kind of remind yourself of just like the greatness that there that there was with this guy because you're right it's just 
You don't see it much yeah. anymore, and you don't even really have the opportunity to see it much anymore with how little he actually plays for United. And and the derision that is greeting the clips that are being released by Talk TV and Piers Morgan, like there's total derision from what he's saying about how he was betrayed, etc. I mean, nobody believes this anymore. He is desperately, desperately trying to hang on to to being relevant, to raging against the dying of the light, I suppose is the phrase, but he's... I, I think he he is there's a serious chance um, that his mood and his general play are not going to be of any benefit to Portugal in the World Cup. Yeah, I will say this: there was one thing about the, um, and I don't mean for this to spiral into a Manchester United conversation, but if we're talking about Ronaldo and the interview he did with Piers Morgan, there was one part of it that I actually thought was pretty interesting, and that I thought Manchester United fans that he would almost win them over because he he certainly aligns himself with the anti Glazer movement. Which is yeah. uh, which is a very popular movement among the Manchester United fan base. To hear him say, JJ, that in terms of like the club infrastructure, like this is Manchester United. This is one of the the wealthiest clubs on earth, the most prestigious teams in any sport on the globe in terms of brand awareness. And for him to to basically say that, like in terms of their infrastructure, nothing could really change there from the time that he was a player the first go around to now. Like that's. That's really frightening. And I think for a lot of people, it kind of confirmed a lot of suspicions that a lot of fans had who aren't on the inside, but could only sort of surmise what was going on there. I mean, remember Zlatan Ibrahimovic, he just, he recently said the same thing, basically, that they're not yeah. run like, like a big club. No, they're not. And, and they, and they'd kind of stayed in place, stood in place since Sir Alex Ferguson left. But do, do you honestly think that the training center, the gym, uh, the the chefs, the all the things that Ronaldo mentioned. Do you think they'd honestly have gotten better in the last decade if Manchester United only recently got in an analytics department? It's it's probably unlikely. It's probably it's it. It seems to me when Ferguson left, everything stopped or remained the same. Rather, they got complacent. I, I don't know. And certainly, yeah. certainly, and it goes to show the driving force that he was there. So, um, so that's, yeah, that's Portugal, Andrew. I mean, yeah. he's well, they, like, I think they're a really good side. And is is there a way? Is there a way in which all those parts function, and they and and Ronaldo ends up having a good tournament? I I I think there is. I I just don't see it. I I think well, I think they could be a really threatening side without him necessarily having a great tournament. Cause I just think that there's so much talent there. And look, if they mm. want to play this kind of style that we've come to know with Portugal, a little more defensive minded, a little more pragmatic, you know, they have the personnel to do that. I mean, they're very strong in defense. Um, and then they have guys, you know, who, who can eke a goal out at the other end. And now look, they're better than that. I don't know that they're just some kind of like, they're not like a minnow just trying to, you know, hang on and then get lucky. Like the, they're a really good side. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would still fear them. Um, with Ronaldo, JJ, I find it interesting. He, he um, a couple of things with him. So he hasn't scored in eight of his last nine appearances for Portugal. Um, and I believe the stat is that he's never scored in the knockout stages of a World Cup, um, which I also find interesting because he scored a lot of big goals, but I, I don't believe he has in a knockout stage. At a, at the World um, Cup. I'd have to look that up, but yeah. I it, it, it kind of sounds right to me. And let's not forget... They're in a stinker of a group. They've got Ghana in there. They've got South Korea. They've got Uruguay. That that is a that is a tough group. Five thirty eight said something very interesting. I have yet to read the article because I I can't find time for anything. It's it's just everything's rushing at me. 
But they said, uh, which is the group of death in, in, for this World Cup? There's more than one. And, there, and, and that one is definitely one of maybe three groups of death in this tournament. It's a, it's a tough one, but I would be surprised if it's not Portugal who's coming out of that group. I can I I think if Uruguay can get their ish together and well we'll we'll get to them. Yeah, we'll get to them. All I right. Have some Let's thoughts. move on. We'll get to them. Before we oh, get before to them Before we move Oh. Before we move on, um Bizerp Music Sessions Volume 52 by Bizerp or Bizarap and Quevedo is the uh is the rap club anthem that is number 1 in Portugal right now. It's pretty good too. Yeah. I like it. And they seem to mention former Portuguese striker Sapinto in the opening lines. Now that could be me not knowing Portuguese. Um, yeah. I guess that's possible. I don't know what to say really. Uh, let's see. We continue now, JJ. Let's go to the Netherlands. Another one of these teams that I wouldn't necessarily consider a dark horse. I guess they're kind of in that nether zone between contender and dark horse. Um, JJ, you, you put something here about Louis van Gaal. He said he was, um, he was told by a Dutch journalist that, quote, your minimum ambition is the quarterfinal. Does that sound yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, and it should be noted that Van Hal replied that he wants to be world champion and that his players wanted. And then Virgil van Dijk said to Dick, the Telegraph, it can go either way in a final tournament like this, but we have a selection with the qualities to make it something special in Qatar. We are going to win the tournament. Good for so him. So that is... A nice little bit of bombast coming out of the out of the Dutch camp, um, but but they they should absolutely like quarterfinal for this Dutch team like that has to be their ambition because like again not to be disparaging but they're they're in a group that they should absolutely yeah. get out of and they should I think so and they should probably win that group and if they do win it then in the round of sixteen it's going to be the U.S. Wales or Iran that they face and the Dutch will absolutely believe that they should be beating any of those teams. And so like the path to the quarterfinal is, is paved in, in gold for them. So yeah, quarterfinal is that, is that is minimum ambition. Anything less than that would be a, an enormous disappointment for them. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you feel the same way, but because of their not qualifying for the last world cup or the 2016 euros, like you know that familiarity you have with 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 the Dutch team, with Holland, the Netherlands, it, it's kind of waned. Do you feel that way? I, I feel mean, like we've I seen used... them recently, though they were back in the Euros. They were, but I feel like I I used to know their squads much better. Now they had much much. Well, more... they had better. They had better teams. I mean, like they had like, household names. Yeah, like I mean, no offense to him, but like Steven Bergvine is potentially starting up front for them. Like he's fine. He was a bit part at Spurs. He's gone well, back well, to to the Eredivisie. Like. They're, that's they're what I different. wanted to that's what I wanted to talk about. So um yeah, I don't I don't I looked at their squad, Andrew, and I honestly like even even goalkeeper wise, I was I was like, where's Edwin van der Zaar? Where's Hans van Breuklen? Hans van Breuklen must be nearly 60, but I still asked, where was Hans? And so there's um there's a very good uh I think he's a data analyst and a football writer, um, a Manchester United fan, uh, called Keys van Hemmen. And he's excellent. And he wrote a little piece about the Dutch under, under Van Hal and, and the current Dutch squad. And it, it really kind of enlightened me. And there, it's, it's really, he ranks the oddness of LVG selections. And um, I won't, it's, it's, it's a long article, but it's worth, you should follow him on Twitter, Keith Van Hemmen. 
it's worth reading. But what was interesting to me was two areas. So um, the two that stood out for me was LVG not selecting uh, Ryan Gravenberg from uh, Bayern Munich, that the young, exciting player. Mm. And Keith talks about his ability to break open games in a way that Dutch midfielders haven't been able to in years. And probably there's only one Dutch player that can do that right now in the squad. So that was the first one. I thought that's interesting. He's he's overlooked this guy, but fair enough. He's young, and, and he's, he's not, not exactly... playing very much since he's made his move. Right. Okay. True. <laughs> True. So I let that one go. But the next one, Vincent Janssen. Yes, Vincent Janssen, um, and he's been picked over uh, the young player, very exciting young player, Brian Bobby and Arnat Danjuma. So this seems like a highly eccentric decision by by LVG. And I wonder, like, how much... Now, like, Keyes does say, all things considered, all reservations aside, I I believe that, you know, Louis van Gaal, with what he's done with the squad, with him getting them playing better football and taking them to the World Cup, he has the right to make the, whatever decisions he wants. But the Vincent Janssen one stood out for me. I mean, it, uh, it's big time. it's certainly a far cry from the Aryan Robin, Wesley Snyder, Robin Van Persie days. Or go back, you know, Rude Van Nisselrooy, Dennis Bergkamp. Like, again, there, there's good players here. There's great players here. I mean, Van Dyke, you know, he's one of the, yeah. one of the best defenders on earth. Um, you know, Frankie De Jong, Memphis Depay. Uh, so, like, they're still they still have very good players. But yeah, if you're talking about like the Dutch side that you know took Spain took on Spain in the World Cup final, um, teams back in the early 2000s, late 90s, yeah, it's they're good, but yeah, they're not like I. I don't. I, they're not a title contender for me. Uh, yeah, if they're close. I, I, if, I, if they're in the nether zone, like we said, between dark horse and contender, they're they're in that middle area, but they're trending closer to dark horse for me than they are uh, contender. I, I was just taken aback because, um, I don't know. I feel like with Dutch coming from Ireland and and covering the U.S. for as long as I have, I feel as if you know. The Dutch, they've got a you know a plethora a plethora of riches, and it's it's actually it's kind of easy to pick their squads. They've got really good players, and then when I see this this kind of um, eccentric move by LVG, I wonder if something that may hamstring them uh, is the fact that LVG is manager and that he's he's gone and made these kind of quirky decisions. I mean, I mean, it's not even he's he's, he's even made some funny ones at goalkeeper. If you read Key's piece, which is excellent. Um, and I'll be rooting for them. The the Irish and the Dutch in terms of soccer have a long tournament history. So they'd be um they'd be my second team at this tournament outside of the US. But um You know how I feel about them. A uh, a Dutch man once humiliated me at a bar in Barcelona and ever since you then will I will not forgive. I can't let it go. I it was in two thousand eight. I it was fourteen years ago. I cannot let it go. Do you um, think he was on ecstasy or some kind of drug? Because no, he seemed he, he seemed of totally sound mind. But the way he humiliated you was silly. I know it didn't. Americans in their credit cards, always using credit cards. Americans in your credit cards. Right, relax. And he buddy. shouted you it at you. Right? Yeah, he sh- he, in front of all his friends, they're all la- having a laugh at me. I went back with my to my family with my head hung low, like I was George Michael Bluth. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah, it was I very don't strange. know what's number one in the Dutch chart. Not yet. The only thing I wanted to say about um, 
you're talking about LVG and some of his weird decisions. I will say this on his behalf. You know, the the, the Dutch, to their credit, they've always kind of been married to like the four three three, the total football idea, but it, it, it hasn't been working for them, of course, to the extent that it used to. And LVG, somewhat against his will, players came and spoke to him, and he's changed their system up into a five three two. And he said, you know, at first he was resistant to it, but now he said he's he's come around and he sees that this is the best way. So he's he might he's he feels like a player's manager to me. Like I could see guys on this team really loving playing for him. You know, he's gone through health issues. Uh, yes. They might he might be someone that they're they're kind of rallying around. He, you know, we've always talked about his personality, how like full of life that guy is. I can see him oh. rallying, you know, really like riling up a, a, a locker room. So. No, I, I do like him. Like he's quirky, he's strange, but like I've always enjoyed his whole act. Uh, so yeah, I, even even with the credit card ish incident, I, I'm not rooting for them, but I won't go so far as to say I'm rooting against them either. Although my okay. the, my U.S. sensibilities, I would rather not face them if the U.S. get out of the group. So in that case, maybe I am rooting against them. I understand that. I think that's fair. All right, so what, what's number one on the Dutch charts here? Miss you, Oliver Tree and Robin Schultz. I I really like this one. Early 90s dance vibe, hmm. um, strict, stripped back EDM. It's like if the Perfecto All-Stars and Crystal Castles had a baby. What, this what, is what, what it's What are you like. even talking about? You don't you know just, the You just spout these names out like the whole yeah. world. Oh, yeah, the Crystal Castles. The sure. Crystal. Oh, my God. You sound like my dad. I take that as a compliment. I've heard very good things <laughs> about your dad. Appreciate all right. it. Um, all right. Here we go. Uruguay. This is the one, yes. JJ. This is the one, this is the team, this is the true Dark Horse contender. If you can even consider them a Dark Horse at this point. For me, they are it. If any one of these teams that we're going to mention tonight are going to go on a run, this is the one. Wow, okay. So you don't have have concerns about the the mixture of uh, septuagenarian... (laughs) And uh, a younger person. I think it's a beautiful blend of experience and youth. You couldn't ask for anything better at a major tournament. Yeah. This is the one. You're convinced of that. So who's who's totally. the most important? Who's their most important player then? Are you going to dip into the uh, AARP section? Nope. Or dip into the young and sexy section? Young and sexy. What did I say two months ago on this podcast? Fede Valverde is your favorite player in the world. Fede Valverde, welcome to your moment. Like this, he's been in such good form. I mean, really through last year when he started to really ascend and and make a true name for himself, it's continued beautifully into this season. I mean, we remember what Tony Crow said about him uh, like over a month or so ago. He called him top three in the world. I mean, some people who may not watch Real Madrid regularly, maybe you roll your eyes at that comment. Oh, that's just his teammates saying stuff. But like the whole world will be watching now. This is his chance to prove it because he's been – I mean, top three. It's hard to say, but he's in the he's in the upper tier right now, um, and I just think that like this is World Cups are like there's so much about timing, and I feel like this is hitting at the perfect time for this player, this team as a whole. But I just look at Valverde. He's he's just like hitting his prime now in the form of his life at Real Madrid. His confidence has got to be at its absolute peak. And then just like looking at the players who are around him, like it all, the pieces just fit so perfectly. Vecino as they're holding midfielder, Bentoncourt linking the midfield, Valverde, the playmaker out of the midfield. Like it's all just like 
it, it just, this team just fits. Every part of it fits. Even what you said at the start of this between like the older players and the younger players. Like, I just think it's, I, I mean, I said it kind of like jokingly in my tone, but I really do mean it. Like, I just think it's a totally perfect blend of both of those things. The Suarez's and Cavani's to go with all, you know, the Benton cores and uh, the Darwin Nunes is, I just think it's, I just think it's all, it, this is it. Like, I, I feel like this world cup is just hitting this country at the absolute right time. Look, I, I, I have not seen enough of them to, to really, to get a feel for what they are. Um, I, I would say that the change in manager, like they're, they're seven wins in nine under Diego Alonso. Like they, they did not start qualifying well and they finished it strongly. Mm-hmm. You're still going to be leaning on Suarez and Cavani for production. And they're, you know, they're not, I mean, neither of them are really playing at the highest level anymore. And they're, I mean, they're both deep in their thirties, but then you've got, the new agent of chaos uh, in Darwin Nunez. I, I feel like, you know, it's, it's funny when I, when I think about Nunez, he's a guy I think could actually do really well at a tournament and could thrive at a tournament. Um, I, I, I haven't seen enough of them, Andrew. When you, when you list off those players, you make me think I have seriously underestimated them. But um, yeah, to, you know, they got unlucky when they met France at the last tournament, I suppose. I would hope for a, a more. I, I I seem to remember them being a little bit on the negative side last time around, so maybe there's more more expansion in this side. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe well, they, you're probably. Are you going to go to the bookies and put a put a little bit of money on them? Well, so here's what here's what I'll say about that. Well, before we get to that, like it's just interesting though when I look at them because like a lot of times the thing that's kind of carried them in this generation. This has been a really good era for Uruguay, kind of a little bit under the radar, but it's you know if you go back to 2010 through now it's it's been pretty strong and defensively they've always been so stout um i know they've had runs you know diego forlan luis suarez but like there's always been a strong defense there um and like i mean now their strengths are probably further up the field because like it's still diego godin is still there and like he's his move back to south america has not gone very well um you know jose he's Jimenez, at Valle sarsfield right what's that in Ar- he's in argentina with Valle sarsfield yeah um you know, Jose Jimenez still there. It's still very good. Um, there were injury concerns around Ronald Araujo, but uh, he's on this team. He's there. So I don't know. I, I, I just have a, I just have this great feeling about them. Now you ask, okay, are you going to the bookie? So here's the thing. Um, like they have to win their group. They have to win the group because if they don't, they're likely facing Brazil in the round of 16. And that will that will impact whether or not I want to go to the bookies. If they win the group, they likely get Switzerland in the round of 16. It's a mm. big, it's a, it's a, just an enormous difference. I mean, they, they've got to win this group. It won't be easy. Like we said, Portugal's in the group. So that game between the two of them is that, it's that huge. may determine someone's fate in terms of like looking down the road that the winner of that game may have a, a road deeper into this tournament. The other one likely going to go out in the round of 16. Also, if, you, if you win this group, you get either Belgium uh, you get Switzerland in the round of 16, and then you get Belgium, Spain, or Germany in the quarterfinal. Tough matchups, all of those. Tough matchups for sure. But you're still avoiding the it. top three favorites, Brazil, France, and Argentina, until at least the semifinals, which, which is really all you can ask for. So win this group. Like the, If they win this group, I think that I think semifinals is on the table for them. Oh, wow. Yep. I, I think, though, just circling back to the group, they've got probably one of the – they've got a really tough game against Portugal. South Korea is not going to be easy. And then they've got this massive grudge game against Ghana. Or, or has, 
I mean, that's that, surely that's still that's that qualifies as a grudge match. Surely, I saw someone post the video of that today. I was watching it again, and it's really. I would say if we were ever making a list, JJ, of the greatest debates in the history of this sport, I think the debate on what Suarez did, whether or not it was like a, a games gone moment, like, you know, he like what a dirty player versus wow, what a selfless smart player. I think the debate between those two things is fascinating. It's one of the great debates of the last 25 years of, of world football. Man, I'm wondering where you dr- stand. Um, I don't, I don't know if I stand on 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 either side of it. It's I think just... it was a. I think he did the right thing. Yeah, you do. I don't love yeah. saying that. Like, if I, I'm sure, you know, obviously, if if I were a Ghana supporter, I'd feel much differently about it. Um, but I think, like, look, he was red carded. A penalty was awarded. Like, he did. He paid for it. But he did. He basically sacrificed himself to give his team a chance. Like, what, what's the alternative there? Let the goal go in. Like he he did whatever yeah. needed to be done to give his team a chance. Like, I, I know it's not. You know, it left you feeling dirty. It left you feeling a little bit like the wrong team won. And Ghana was such a great story in that tournament because you know that first tournament in Africa and they're going on this run. You wanted to see them do it, but I don't know. I just. I know there's a lot of people who feel differently about it. I just, I don't, I, I can't get to that place. I think he did. I think he did the right thing. Put it this way. If the U S are in a similar situation, I will desperately want Walker Zimmerman or anyone to throw his arms up at that ball on the line to give, uh, to give our guys a chance to, to keep going. God, there was just from about 20, 2010 when he was at IX to, 2015 when he won the Champions League he was just a storyline machine <laughs> yeah for either his brilliant play or his mad he was just he was one of the most polarizing players we've had in this sport loved him loved him you always Still did you were very consistent in that way uh, so you yeah, you haven't I really I, I've gone all in here you you're more you're much more tepid I don't think I I don't think I've got anything interesting to say on it. I don't think I can add to it. I get why he did it. Um No, I don't mean it, on it Suarez. Just, I mean Uruguay as a whole. You're you're tepid on on this no, team. No, because I have I I have not seen enough of them. I just I I I really haven't. Um and I wonder as well there's been so little interaction between the South American teams and the European teams in terms of play for the last what? Would you say two and a half years? Yeah. Because of COVID. I mean are the sophisto the the sophisto bots of Europe just going to come out and like destroy South American teams? I mean, I don't th- I don't think they are. This but... pretty much this entire Uruguay team, with a couple exceptions, are playing in Europe. Yeah, uh, I so... know, I know, I know, I know. And look, I, I'll say I, this: I, I'll say this because I've been watching him every single week. Um, Bentoncourt has been Tottenham's player of the season. Him or Kane, flip a coin. That's good company for Bentoncourt. If we're if we're trying to debate whether or not him or Harry Kane has been the best player for Tottenham this year, uh, so for those who have not been watching the way Tottenham fans have, be ready to be surprised because again, incredible player, incredible player. Uruguay, JJ, that's where it's at. All right, Uruguay. I'm going to put money on them, and then I'm going to just cry and and resentful tears against you if if they do nothing i'll say this about myself when it comes to identifying dark horses over the last few years i've done well 
Remember, I had West Ham a couple years ago when they went on their run and almost qualified the Champions League. I had Denmark mm. at the Euros was my dark horse for that. So come on, ride with me, baby. I'll take you far. Don't call me baby. And and by the way, uh, Denmark, they're up next. Let's do it. The other, like, if Uruguay is the big South American perennial dark horse, I feel like they oftentimes are, are cast in that light. Then Denmark has become that team for Europe. They are the perennial European dark horse. I wonder at, at what point can they no longer be considered that, where we have to just say, like, yeah, they're good now. Like, it's not a surprise anymore. Um, I, I think sure, surely coming out of this qualification campaign where they, they roared through it, they won nine of their 10 World Cup qualifiers, uh, and then they beat France twice in the Nations League. Surely we just say it now. They are, they are legit, and that's coming off the back of a, a what was it, the semifinal spot at yeah. the... At, at the Euros, yeah, they only they yeah. went out to England in extra time. They I mean, really are sophistobots. And by the way, and so now they're in this group with France. And we should mention, by the way, that France lost uh, Christopher Nkunku today to an injury, which I saw a video of, and it's just, oh man, was it in training? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's video of it. And it's just like, it's someone, I, I can't tell who it was. You could probably look it up. I'm sure everyone's identified it, but someone goes in hard on a challenge and he gets, it's just like gets him the wrong way. It looks like it got his ankle kind of, it just, it was, it was bad. He goes down okay. right away. He's writhing in pain and that's it. Like you get selected for a world cup to play for a team that has a good chance of winning this thing. And then in like your first training session, it's over. I, I felt, ah, you felt you got to feel horrible for him. Like it's it's brutal. Sure. Um, but I mean, for as for Denmark, they will not like you mentioned. They beat France both home and away in the Nations League. They will not fear them. Like you said, they just went on a run to the semifinals of last year's Euros. They will. They fear no one right now. Um, and I think that's and I think they're worthy of that mentality. They're they are legitimately good. Um, now, I did see this point raised, JJ, in um, in Sports Illustrated's preview of Denmark, because we do we put a lot of stock in the semifinal run. But yeah. like, it's interesting when you actually when you go back and kind of dissect it. Um, so remember, they lost their first two group stage matches. They were extremely right. fortunate to finish second in that group. The it was the very rare three point second place finish in that group. And then, I mean, I know you talked about England's cupcake draws. The other day, the Danes got Wales and the Czech Republic en route to their semifinal. No, I know you're right. But so um, like that, that is like it was all I, laid I, out pretty nicely for them. Like so we remember the semifinal think, run, but they lost two group stage matches and then got to play two teams who we would always expect them to beat. I Yeah. And I do think that the the whole story, we, we, we kind of we were taken away from the fact that they they got through lucky and then they had an easy, easy enough round of 16 and, and quarterfinal by the fact that, you know, they were coming back from losing their, their player and, and the horrific things that happened on the field against Finland. I, I get that. I understand that. But like, just looking at players alone, um, Thomas Delaney, Christian Eriksen, Eriksen is just such a fantastic player yeah. and his, his value to United just, he's just come in there and he's, I won't say he's changed everything. He hasn't, but I think of how important he was this past weekend. Yeah, um, uh, Hoiberg as well. That's a that's a solid midfield um, unit. Uh, now up front, I I 
Casper Dahlberg, okay, he, he blows hot and cold. Mm-hmm. Um, Braithwaite, equally. I do like Damsgaard, but I don't know if he's kicked on really from, from what we saw at the Euros in, in, in 2021. I, I just think they're a solid unit and, and, and they've proven themselves to be maybe more than the sum of their parts, albeit with this world-class talent, Ericsson, being able to get back to fitness and back to playing again. They are they're legitimately good. I think they get out of the group. Um, I don't know if they go further. I mean, like France, Tunisia, Australia, you would agree that like Denmark, they, they, they're in a point now where like they have to get out of that group. We, right. Like that's, that's where they're at in terms of how we view them. I would think. Oh, no, I, I think so. I think, uh, it's not a vintage Australia, uh, Tunisia. I don't know that much about. What do you want to know? I'll tell you everything. Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) I would, uh, yeah, you'd fancy them to come out of it. In fact, I was I was doing a bracket. And and this is just the headspace the Nations League puts you in. I was doing a bracket and at my friend's bar and he looks over my shoulder and he says, I have Denmark coming out top. Hmm. And it puts that doubt in your mind. They are capable. Um, I think they get out of the group, either as group winners or more likely second place. Uh, let's continue now, JJ. Croatia. Before we continue, Verdun Wagner. By Gilly and Savius. Uh, it's a bouncing piano-led track, and it's number one in Denmark. I did not care for it. Verdun Wagner, Gilly and Savius. And I will put the uh, I'll put these tracks up on my Spotify play- playlist, and I'll post them on Twitter and on Instagram again. Good. I'm going to check them out. No, you won't. Um, <laughs> I will. I-, I used to love this. It's just different when we're not playing the music. Hearing you just what? say them, it's just like... I don't know. Andrew, the you're same. the one that got very worried about the fact that our all our work would be taken down because of one copyright complaint. Well, more than one. If we're going to play like a hundred songs. Yeah. And I mean, playing four seconds of it, would it really give anyone a feel for it? You just you just can't risk it right now at this stage in, in our new podcast. No, we, we can't. We used to no. have the power of a major corporation behind us. Now we, we could be crushed like a bug any second now. Like, it, it, this could all be over in the blink of an eye. So no, I yeah, I'm being very careful. In fact, I'll You're be so honest, I, I don't care for the fact that you said the S word about five minutes ago. Now I got to put the explicit right. rating back on this one. You, you actually don't. Let's move on. <laughs> You're out of control. You're out of control. Ah, uh, Croatia, JJ. Yes, um, disappointing Euros, but definitely, but. One of the all-time Croatian performances, the all-time per- Croatian performance of 2018 and a runners-up finish at the World Cup in Russia. Who are we getting here? Hard to know, Andrew. Um, I like I still look at the side, and despite you know the retirements of some of the you know the elder statesmen on the side um, from 2018, it has a little bit of a different look. But it's still you look at that kind of. Um, Midfield and attacking unit. You've got the key man of, is is Brozovic. Obviously, not mentioning the the real key man who is just doing incredible things. Age thirty seven, Luka Modric. But you've you've got Kovacic, Vlasic, per, Perisic. I'm not sure about centre forward. I don't know who they're going to start there, or if they've got the goals in the side. But I they become one of those teams where I think 2018 was such a brilliant run. Like it was very hard for them to, then to go again, and they they just they weren't themselves really. 
at the Euros and, and the bad start against England didn't really help things. But um, yeah, I, I, I personally don't see them making a run to a final, but it doesn't mean they can't oh, go fairly, fairly deep and, and win things. I mean, a run to the final, talking about running, whenever I think of a run to the final, I think of how, how just tired and, and gaunt Luka Modric looks. And yet he's still putting up these incredible figures in terms of his, his coverage of the field. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel as, as high on them as I have in the past. Um, yeah, I mean, at, look, asking them to go on a run to the final again is it's a tall I didn't order. ask them to do that. I'm saying I don't see it. If they are just looking at it, so if, if they do get out of the group, I would my prediction would be it would likely be as runners-up to Belgium. I mean, they could contend with Belgium. That could be a, a fun fight. Whoever wins that uh, you know, would, would advance. I would pick Belgium. Um, and so if they're runners-up, they'll face the winner of Group E, so either Spain or Germany. Um can they get past that? Again, I wouldn't pick Croatia. I would probably pick either Spain or Germany, but they're in with a fight That's there tough, too. So yeah. you never know. Um, I think pretty highly of this Croatian team. It's very interesting, JJ, how much, you know, we see it with the U S um, but like just how much things can change in four years, you know, only nine. So that team in 2018 for Croatia went on this run to a world cup final. And you would just kind of think like when that happens, that there's a core here that's just going to like be together for another one, two World Cups. Only nine of that 2018 Croatian team remains with this one. But they were old enough at that point as well. They were that's they true. a few senior guys. Yeah. Um, and so they kind of transitioned out, you know, like we said, disappointing Euros. But, you know, they've started to uh, to bounce back. Nations League wins both home and away against Denmark. They beat France away. Uh, in the Nations League. So, you know, it's it started to come back around for them and maybe at the right time. And like, in, look, in terms of the core, they do still have it. Modric, Kovacic, Brozovic in the midfield, Perisic, who for them is listed as an attacker. It's funny, at Tottenham, he's a wingback, uh, but he can really, I mean, he's he can do anything. Uh, he's one of those players. Um, so like, I look at that core and I think, okay, so like, there's a, st- there's a certain status quo here with Croatia where you know they'll be good. The question is, what else do they have that can take them to another level like where they were in 2018? Who are the X factors? You identified it. There's questions about like who's going to get the goals for them, um, which is funny, JJ, because it kind of it brought me to your guy. This might be his time to shine. You always say, who is it? Miroslav Orsic, right, of Dinamo Zagreb. Just oh, like God. how many big goals has, has he scored – uh, in Europe, in various like European competitions, and you—he's the—he's the conqueror of Tottenham. <laughs> Just loves scoring against them. It's wild, and so who knows? Like maybe this this could be his moment to once again score big goals um, in a major competition. If, I mean, if he gets if he gets the start, yeah, that's true. I should also mention like they've got they've got a, a few other pieces that have come to the come to the fore. I mean. Vardiol at centre back is a decent player. Juranovic from Celtic, going to play on the right hand side probably. You know, yeah. I just I I don't feel the same way. But maybe 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 you're right. Maybe they have replenished enough that there's enough legs in the side, and you know the elder statesman can still shine. And there's enough of them there. There's enough quality in those players. We've said, yeah, maybe there is one team in that group that could mess this up for them. We'll get to them. We'll get okay. to them. Okay, interesting. Uh, finally, one other before we get to our CONCACAF corner, JJ. Uh, Senegal. 
I can't wait. Well, for I just your want to tell you that the num- that you're, that I you're just want have. to tell you that the sorry. Oh, oh, I forgot. Yeah, the number one song in Croatia is Carnival by Sajfer. Another voice modulated dance effort. Nothing special. <laughs> so judgmental. The way you like you oftentimes have a bit of smugness behind you, but never more so than when you're talking music and books. Let's do Senegal, Andrew. I, I don't like the, the the tone you have with me tonight is disappointing. Uh, Senegal. I was saying before I was interrupted so you could speak words of a song rather than simply just post it on uh, our tw- Twitter page. Um, I can't wait for your conversation that you're going to have on, on YouTube. Who's it with, JJ, from the BBC? Olawashina Okeleji yeah. of the BBC. Yeah, I can't wait for that because I'm so curious what he's going to say about Senegal because like on the face of it, you know, they're reigning African champions. Um, you know, their run to get and qualify for the world cup was such a highly emotional one um, over Egypt. They have Sadio Mane who, I mean, tell me if I need to pump the brakes on this comment, but is contender for greatest African player of all time. I mean, is it like oh, him, he's in George the comp- and Drogba? Mo Salah. Yeah, I guess Salah, sure. Sure. Yeah, Salah yeah, might be better than Mane. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Sure. I mean, there's no need to pump the brakes on that. But, I mean, how fit is he? What state right. is he going to be in? So that's what I'm wondering. Is just like how much, like Senegal coming into this before pre-Mane injury felt like, okay, got to get out of the group. Like they've been handed a, a group that maybe, you know, maybe the Netherlands win it, maybe Senegal wins it. But like either way, they were always, always felt like they were going to get out of it. And now, I don't know, has the Mane injury, us not really knowing his full condition, has that kind of brought Qatar and Ecuador's hopes back into it in terms of who's getting out of this? Or, or do Senegal still view themselves as, as a clear favor to advance? I just, I'm well, curious I- to find out. I think their form since they won the African Cup of Nations hasn't been great. I, I, a lot of the previews I've read, the 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 one thing that keeps coming to to the fore is that oh well, if Mane gets shut down, then what do they do? Is the, you know how how much it limits their attack? If he's injured and shut down, that's even that's even worse. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what was interesting though? I was reading this on Al Jazeera, mm-hmm. and uh, Kaladu Koulibaly the captain had this to say and it sounds much more bullish now look I've just read a quote from Virgil van Dijk they're all there's so much hope hope flourishes before a ball is kicked but this is what Koulibaly said I don't know about the other African teams but as captain of Senegal we are not going there to reach the normal ceiling of Africa which is the quarterfinal I believe we can compete for the trophy like the other countries from different continents. We have no business at the World Cup if the plan is just to participate and go home after the group. That is such a defeatist mentality. If you go to battle thinking you are not good enough, then you've already lost. Senegal is going to Qatar with the ambition to win, and that is our mentality. And, you know, in the in the side that they have, they have Edward Mende, Idris, Idris Agey, uh, Sheka Kouate, Ismail Assar. You know, they've, they've got other players, but sure. I mean, there's... No point dancing around the fact that the the talisman is is Sadio Mane. And again, they're kind of in one of these if you want to go far, win your group type mentalities of, you know, like we said, 
if you win this group, you probably get the U.S., Wales, or Iran in the round of 16. And Senegal with a healthy Mane will expect to win that game. Oh, they'll fancy themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, make sure you check out the uh, your YouTube interview that should be appearing. When do you say? You said Thursday? I'm hoping to get it up with uh, with uh, on Thursday. Um, I want people to listen to this podcast first, then then catch that on Thursday morning with uh, Ola Washina. So I'm talking to him tomorrow. Nice. And it will it will be up on just you've got to go to the YouTube and uh, subscribe and click those notifications on. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Who are the so the other teams? That'll that won't just be Senegal. Obviously, that'll be uh, Cameroon, Ghana, uh, Morocco, Morocco. We leave in Morocco, Tunisia. Who I, who I have Tunisia. I mean Morocco. I haven't even really thought about since mm, France ninety eight. So I thought about him when be... the U.S. played him recently in a friendly. U.S. That was actually one of they our de- recent decent days. I thought they started strongly. They moved the ball well, um, but they had in ninety eight. They had some oh class players. Two who ended up in, in the Premier League based on that tournament. Uh, Yusuf Chipo and uh, Mustafa Hadji. And uh, they ended up at Coventry City. Hmm. Nice. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant technical ball players. Uh, the number one song in Senegal, Andra, is... Andra? Andrew is Is814, Alan Finney. It's light, it's lovely. It's a real song for the summer, which is uh, interesting because it's November. Hmm, that's true. Uh, let's see, before we get to the CONCACAF corner, any other... Any other dark horses that we didn't mention? Wales, maybe? Any any chance of that? I, um, I don't see it myself. Um, Poland with I Lewandowski? Know we're, we're, no. Um, I, I I came up with, and again, this is, I, I think I've done this now. This is my second time doing this, and I regularly do this, but Serbia. Okay. Serbia are good. They're in a tricky group for sure, but they are dangerous. Um, I think the concern for them is that Mitrovic is probably going into the tournament not 100% fit. Not even sure that Vlavic is fit, but if they can be supplied by Kostic, you've got Sergei Milinkovic-Savic behind them. And and for me, their actual talisman are on his day, their best player, Dusan Tadic. They've got talent and they, they finished top of their group, a group that included Portugal and the Republic of Ireland. And I think they were comfortably the best team in that group. Okay. That's, that's an interesting shout. But again... <sighs> I mean, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. That is that's tough. A tough group. That's a tough mm-hmm. one. Um, all right. So there you go. There's a, those are your dark horses right there, JJ. Feel pretty good about dark that horse list. Outsiders. Yeah. yeah. You call whatever you want. Any names that you got for it. Um, let's see. Before we continue uh, into the CONCACAF corner, um, <laughs> I don't know if you were seeing any of the stuff coming out of Qatar with regards to some of like the the housing and accommodations today, it's it's not good. I haven't. When you go on Twitter and you see the Firefest trending, oh, and you're no. like, oh, here we go. <laughs> like, and you're just seeing like the the housing for this World Cup and some of the hotel situation. I mean, the other day, obviously, I'm sure everyone's seen the uh, shipping containers that are being used as hotel rooms. Uh, and a shipping container, if you stay for the entire tournament, will cost you seven grand yeah yeah and then the yeah. ones today that you know they're, they're just like kind of tense tent like structures um without windows really it's just like it's just i don't know it's fu- 
It's funny, M- Miguel Delaney did an article three months ago where he visited Qatar to see how ready it was. And he said, I don't know how this is going to be ready. There's so many things left to be done. So, I mean, it's had this fire fest feel for a little while. Um, another thing, it, people have been asking us, are we watching Dan Gordon's uh, oh. Netflix documentary on FIFA, FIFA Uncovered? We are absolutely devouring that. It's spectacular. Dev- it is spectacular. I would say that out of the, they, apart from the corruption, the threats against the whistleblower on Qatar and the way that they, they essentially bought the tournament, one of the other things that comes out and that's repeatedly said by the people who are interviewed who were at the top of FIFA is that Qatar did not score highly in its uh, inspection as a venue for the World Cup and the chickens are coming home to roost. I'll, and I'll say this also from what I've seen so far. I, I'm half, I'm a little over halfway through. Um, remember a couple years ago, JJ, when I put, when I made my list of, when I was just like really bitter, I made my list of people that I would never forgive for the U.S. not qualifying for the 2018 World Jack Cup. Jack Warner. I, not that there's any shock to this, but boy, was I right. Oh, that guy was just the worst. He was, he represented, I mean, we think we know that, oh, Seth Blatter, he was the worst, whatever. No, they're all playing for second after that guy. Oh, he was awful. And you hear Two. the things that, that are said by the members of that uh, Trinidad and Tobago team that qualified for the World Cup. They, you know, how much they looked up to him, like he was a father figure. And then the way he screwed them over, his own countrymen who qualified for that tournament. Oh, my Squandered. God. What a horrible man he was squandered all the commercial money, all the money that was supposed to go to the team. What was it that Shaka Hislop said? 15 million gone. No one will 15 ever, 15 million. No one will ever know where that money disappeared to. We, we, but we can all guess. A lot it's of in some bank got, account in the Cayman Islands. A lot of pockets got lined. I mean, that guy was, oh man. He is the absolute worst. Yeah. He is terrible. And, um, and the way it tainted that tournament for Trinidad and Tobago was, it's unconscionable. Yeah. Just awful. Really, really awful. Yeah. Um, one other quick note on on Qatar, the World Cup, all that. So, you know, all the journalists are now making their way over to Qatar. They pretty much all all have arrived. Um, and, you know, they're doing a good job. They're on boots are on the ground. They're at U.S. training camps. All the teams, you know, they're, they're really kind of painting a nice picture for you of what everything's like. And I saw this today from Grant Wall. Boy, it, and this stuff just makes you wonder about, like, I mean, we all had our ideas of what what is Qatar going to be like? Just how oppressive is this World Cup going to feel? Well, you see stuff like what Grant Wall posted today. So here's what he posted on Twitter. He said, I took a picture of the Qatar World Cup slogan on the wall of the media center today, and a security guard came over and demanded that I delete it from my phone. Is that how this World Cup is going to work? Um, He posted this from his story. Within seconds, a security guard walked over. Picture is not allowed, sir. There was nothing posted saying that photos were not to be taken. I looked at him quizzically, but I was just taking a picture of the slogan on the wall. And what he said next was absolutely wild. Kindly delete it, sir, the guard said. The slogan on the wall? Like, what? Yeah. what is what is going on here? And you see stuff the other day, you know, Budweiser, one of the largest sponsors. Like, the World Cup is a drinking event. Like, there are, this is a huge corporate event. And beer and alcohol is a big part of that. Um you know, Budweiser probably thinking, what did we sign up for? I mean, their tent, like their activation sites being moved to areas where they can't be seen by the Qatar government. Like this, this is, 
I don't know the people who got rich off of this. I hope it was worth it because man, this is, I don't know. It's not off to a good I think start. I think it's going to stink. Uh, I saw a former colleague of mine, Jack, uh, Jack Grimsey, who was going to, he, he announced on his social today that he's going to go to Qatar. He's got tickets and everything. And I was just like, I had no jealousy whatsoever. Yeah. I have no interest in going there and being paying $7,000 for a shipping container and to have no place to drink in a country that has such oppressive uh, human rights record. Also, um, there's an American who is called Ed Ball, I believe, which is kind of a strong American name. Ed Ball, a (laughs) Seattle-based aerospace salesman, created a Qatar alcohol map uh, for U.S. soccer supporters so they can can track down the few places in Qatar that will serve alcohol. I guess the, the, the quiet hotel bars where they can go and have a drink. So well done to Ed Ball. JJ, if we were, uh, I didn't have a man of the match or a red card prepared for tonight, but man of the match, Ed Ball, nothing, nothing will stop Americans from drinking, (laughs) especially at an event like this. Good for him for being the guy to uh, allow and facilitate the, the consumption of alcohol for Americans over there. Good job, Ed Ball. Good job, Ed. That's brilliant. And we salute you. Yeah. On that note, let's go to the CONCACAF corner, JJ. Speaking of which, I I saw... Ed Ball. Ed Ball. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ed Ball would have been a real man of genius in the Budweiser ads. Remember those? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I'll tell you where Ed Ball's probably hanging out. Um, I saw people over there tweeting that there's a thing in Qatar called the CONCACAFE. Have you seen that? I'm not even making it up. Yeah. What's going on in the CONCACAFE, you think? The the Chuck Blazer um, scooter is the way you get around. little scooter that takes you around the place. I'll tell you what. If I were over there, I'd be hanging out at the CONCACAFE. That's where I'd I really feel if... at home. I feel like I'd go in there and then I'd leave with a brown envelope uh, with my reputation in tatters. <laughs> CONCACAFE is hardly the only region of corruption, all right? Yeah, it's a pretty big one. Yeah, I mean, Jack Warner was the face of it, certainly, but they weren't alone. They were not alone. Um, I, actually, you know what? I would like people uh, on Twitter, on Reddit, can, can people send us like what would be the, the names and ingredients of different drinks being served at the Conca Cafe? I feel like that there's room for, for creativity there, JJ, but I just haven't had time to think. So I'm going to ask yeah, people I, to do it for us. I, I, if you, you can't order a latte there. You have to go up and ask. Oh, I'll have a a non-fat. I'll have a sorry. I'll have a full fat late challenge, please. Nice. Followed by, uh, can you sprinkle some corruption of linesmen on top? With um, and I, I'd also like a cup of urine from the stand that uh, gets thrown at people. A shot of urine. And could would, you give me? Yeah. Could you give me a bumpy pitch croissant? I would love that. A shot of urine is definitely mandatory in the Conca Cafe. That's a great call. Yeah, and, uh, and, and you know what, the Conca Cafe, if you have change, right? Uh huh. They don't. They don't hand it to you. They throw it at you. Yeah, pelted. Yeah, yeah. You go down to a corner flag to get your order, and your order's flung at you into your face. <laughs> the Conca Cafe. Cafe. <laughs> no, it's just Conca Cafe. Conca Cafe. Yeah. Got no, Conca Cafe. Got it. Concacaf Cafe. Can't you just say it properly? We can't move no, on until you move do. On. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. We go now into our little booth in the Concacaf corner for our Concacaf corner. Say that even one time fast is difficult. Mmm. Smells a piss. 
<laughs> um, let's start, JJ. Uh, Costa Rica. Uh, I mean, am I being am I being demeaning to kind of anoint them with the happy to be here sticker? I am being demeaning, but they're in a group with Spain, well, Germany, and Japan. That's really tough. Well, listen, I know standards have have slipped at ESPN FC since we left, but uh, I was watching them today. Frank LeBeouf picked Costa Rica to get out of their group in his bracket. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. Uh, look, they've got, they're going to be relying on the elder statesmen, Kaylor Navis, Joel Campbell, uh, Celso Borges, uh, Brian Ruiz. And I know there is uh, Jewess and Bennett, people like that, that kind of, that little youthful sprinkle that we saw uh, when they beat us that night in the final qualifying game. There was a little sense of a new generation around the corner. But I, I don't see them doing anything. I think it's going to be too tough for them. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. Again, that's not I, – I feel bad because, yes, they did beat us in a game of, of importance. Um, but I just look at the but group. We weren't, in, we're not good away from home no, anywhere. No, really so not. So let's not – like we can't factor that in. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's going to be a tall order for them. Uh, so let's go to, um, to Mexico, JJ. I mean – you know, it's really interesting. Just like seven consecutive round of 16s for them, but no further. Like, I see that. Is that good or bad? I, I mean, I it's not good. But it's it's not. But like they to to say that Mexico has gotten out of their group seven consecutive times, that is something. That's not bad. That's yes, but like if you look at 2018, they beat Germany. Think of the expectation. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, out of the round of 16. It's beginning to get a little bit tiresome, I think. And I don't think it shows any signs of really improving because there's so much pressure under Tata Martino coming into this. He is not flavor of the month. And he is and very, his, he's very aware of that, too. He is. And some of his decisions in terms of squad selection have not gone over well. Um they they were functional. The best thing you can say about them in qualifying was they were functional. Yeah. I but was not over they, I was not really impressed by them. They lost in Canada. They lost in the US. Okay, they they I think they, they drew the the other those other two uh, uh-huh. corresponding fixtures. Um they they got it done, but they were not impressive. They did not play a particularly exciting brand of football. And um I, I I'm I'm not high in them at all. They've included Raul Jimenez in the squad, but no Diego Lainez. Um, again, you're looking back at the the same kind of names. Uh, Ochoa is going to start and goal again. And Ochoa, as we know, in a major tournament, just turns into like Manuel Neuer. Um, Irving Lozano going to be key. Guardado in there again. Yeah. Hector Herrera. Good players, by the way. Lozano yeah, in particular. But, yeah, I know, but... The one that hurts, like you know, that one, that's a killer for me. I mean, I know he can be erratic, but I just think he provides something different for them. Um, boy, we've seen some of his performances against the U.S., and he's so dangerous every time he's on the ball. That injury really hurts. So Alexis Vega, like, come on down. He's going to have to emerge in this tournament um, and, and fill those shoes. Um, and, you know, like the Raul Jimenez, like, that one's interesting to me. Uh, only th- he's played what three matches this year, no goals, no assists in 212 minutes. Like, I don't know. It's not, 
like you look at them and you just wonder like who who is the guy that you can turn to and say okay he's going to get the goals it's going to have to you know I, I guess you would say Lozano he's capable of it but I don't, maybe they're going to have to be kind of stingy in defense set pieces counterattacking a little bit I, I don't know but maybe we're, maybe I'm being demeaning of them too I I don't feel great about them to be honest. Like I mean we we've seen enough of them. So uh, so and a group with Poland, Argentina and Saudi Arabia. They getting out? Are we are we making it eight straight? No, it's Argentina and Poland, I Ooh. think. Oh. I think they're getting out of the group. Oh, okay. I think they're getting out of the group. But it'll be yeah, tough. That game it. against Poland is one of the mo- is is the game of the tournament for Mexico. It, the first game of 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 the World Cup. Just the way, if you look at the percentages, it's either must win or can't get beat. You can't get beaten. Yeah, and they, this goes for the US as well. Um, so I, I, I don't feel great for Mexico. I really don't. Uh, and then finally, JJ Canada, our neighbors to the north. Um, I kind of referenced before very slyly. Oh, you did mysteriously. Um, because I am a man of mystery that there could be a team in that Croatia group that makes things difficult for them. Um, I do not believe that Canada is any kind of fluke whatsoever. And I do not either. And I think a lot of people who have not thought about them or watched them in you know, 35 years <laughs> see them in this tournament and think, oh, that's cute. Canada got back. That's Maybe they'll score a goal this time. And I think those people have not been watching them and have not been paying attention to what's going on. Those people probably don't know that Alfonso Davies is Canadian. This team is not a joke. What they did in qualifying was not a fluke. And they did it the hard way, having to start at the very bottom of qualification and work their way up through the octagonal um, with some really impressive performances along the way. And you look at some of the core group of this team. I mean, look, no, obviously you can't put it up against like some of the, you know, some of the contenders and things like that, but like Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, Tejon Buchanan, Kyle Laren, like these are, these are legitimately good, really good and great players. Uh, so a manager who we trust in, in big situations, in tournaments, uh, in John Herdman, I, like, I don't know. I'm JJ. I'm, if I'm making my picks now, I'm I'm holding off on who's coming out of that group. I'm having a hard time. It's I'm I'll say I think it's Croatia. I think it's Croatia. But like I I can see Canada making this difficult, making this a stressful experience for Croatia. I I totally agree with you. There's so much pace in that team. There's so much pace in them. They are going to cause people problems. I'm, I'm you know, the very nature of this World Cup, there's players coming in who've had extensive uh club seasons already and then they enter this tournament and you're coming up against the like of the last person you want to see is Alfonso Davies now I hope he's fully fit I know that would be my my concern for Canada that he that he isn't um but yeah I've I've a sneaking suspicion about them I read a great article in the athletic it's about two months ago in terms of preparation they they started the minute they qualified for the world cup Andrew they started a process of reflection what worked, what didn't, how qualifying panned out, and what were the things they could take going forward. This is an, I know there's been turmoil with the Canadian FA. It's not exactly been smooth sailing since they qualified. There was the shambolic scenario with 
cancelled friendlies and, yeah. and and we know all about that. But as a unit, in terms of the way Herdman runs this, they will be uber prepared and uber ready. And I think they, they can cause a shock. They are nobody's mugs. I agree, man. <laughs> I really do. Um, so we'll see. I mean, like we said, 1986, that was the last time that Canada were in a World Cup and they did not score. Uh, I think it's a different story this time around. Uh, wow. There's There yeah. are goals there. Do you know what's number one in Canada right now? Is, is this guessable? Yeah, very guessable. Drake? Yeah, Drake and 21 Savage. Yeah. Rich Flex. Had to be. Yeah, kind of like it. Um, he's got to go, right? He'll be in Qatar. You've got to think he'll be there supporting them. How could he is not? Is he not think? a jinx? Is he not a jinx? Well, whether he is or isn't is irrelevant. He doesn't think he's he such is. A, so, he's such a ban. Like, if Canada weren't there, would you be shocked if the if the camera panned to the stadium at a U.S. game and there was Drake wearing a U.S. jersey? You uh, wouldn't be. A U.S. jersey? He'd be in a Neymar jersey. He's that guy, man. Yeah. He's got, he's got front-runner tendencies. That's true. Be, uh, yeah. Tomorrow, Andrew, I'm appearing on CBS on our friend uh, Damon Amendolaro's show. Hey. Yeah. What so time? It's going to be uh, uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, folks. So tune in your radios, your satellite radios, or watch online. You can, uh, the DA show, CBS. So join me. Sounds like some sort of CBS courtroom drama. The district attorney. The DA show. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, it's a it's a busy old week for for old hustling JJ who's trying to just get this podcast out there. Uh, by the way, so so I I that's it for Concacaf Corner. But I I just went and looked it up. So Henry Bushnell has a story here about Ed Ball, and this is yeah this is brilliant. Uh, he says here Ed Ball, a Seattle based aerospace salesman, initially created his Qatar alcohol map as quote something useful for myself. Then he shared it with beer-drinking buds and fellow supporters of U.S. soccer, and over time it spread. Over several months, it has been viewed over 320,000 times, Ball told you, uh, Yahoo Sports, and that number is growing by increasing thousands every day. Fans from England and Wales are using it. Fans from Mexico and South America are using it. People working at the tournament in official capacities are using it as well. JJ, the people just need to drink. They've got to have their drinks, especially at a World Cup. I'd, if yep. I were going there, I'd be using it. Are you kidding me? Basic rule. Don't organize a tournament where you can't have a drink. I just opened it up. I'm looking now. There's a lot of, he's got a lot here. Oh my God. He Good really stuff. did the work, man. This is extensive. Good we got to share Ed. this. You got to, we got to tweet this out. This is brilliant. All right. Send it to me and I will. Yeah. Oh my God. Ed Ball, American hero. Um, so there you go, JJ. This was, I mean, I'm just I'm enjoying myself so much with this World Cup. It really so far has been everything that I've wanted it to be. I Hasn't even it. started. No, I mean it. Like I've been looking forward to just talking about this for so many years, and like here it is. Like we're here. I just I love it. All links to everything I mentioned tonight that uh, you want to look up uh, the Dutch article, the music. I'm going to put that on Twitter tomorrow. Nice. I'm going to listen to those All songs. Right. Let's um, get some sleep, man. Nah, I'm good. I think I'm going to stay awake. Whatever. Um, This was fun. We'll be back again with another podcast coming out. I believe you'll see it early, really early Friday morning. That'll be, like I said, the mailbag special. So get all your World Cup questions in now. And then Sunday night, 9 o'clock, we hope, fingers crossed, that everything works. 
our live stream on YouTube to talk about the U.S. men's national team. I cannot wait for that one. The live interaction. How does live interaction work on a YouTube stream, JJ? I don't know. I'll no. figure it out. Okay. <laughs> like, do people we speak? We can get in the comments. The comments, they'll be rolling. Oh, so they don't actually, like, talk to us? No. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Unless you invite one of them on. Okay. And they're animals. Nobody wants that. <laughs> Uh, this was fun on another explicit edition of Caught Offside. Oh my God! He said if the you S put word. Put an explicit pack on this. I will. He, he, oh yeah, what? You, you, yeah, go on. I know what you want to say. Curse again. Why don't you? Come on, we got to get out. I got to get sleep. You know, I kind of want to keep going. Yeah, I bet you do. Withering on. <laughs> this was fun, man. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you later. See you at the Concacaf Cafe. Been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.